Hey guys. So my name is Adriana. I'm one of the campus pastors with our um, college ministry with Colin. And I was, yeah, I was asked to share uh, within the theme of remembering Jesus in light of the death and resurrection. Yeah, come on. Um, yeah, and so what came to mind was um, a passage that I would say has served me as an invitation from Jesus to remain surrendered and hopeful in that order, surrendered and then hopeful. Um, so with that, let's turn to John 15, um, verses 4 through 5, I think. Yep. Um, yeah, so that says, Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So a couple of things to note here. My, my notes have like streaks, but thanks, Pedro. You printed it out for me, so. Um, yeah, so a couple of things to note here. Uh, the Greek translation for abide is meinate. Um, and so the further I looked into the meaning and usage of that Greek word, uh, I think it helped me enrich more what Jesus was trying to say here. The definition for meinate is to stay, to abide, and even some of our translations say to remain. And the usage of this word is I remain, abide, stay, wait, I wait for, await. So in these verses, Jesus is asking us for something, and that is to wait. So verse 4, wait for me. And then further in verse 4, Jesus is emphasizing on how vital the relationship between the branch and the vine are. Abide in me as I also abide in you. So Jesus is claiming here how it's all about a mutual relationship. A mutual relationship. Where we have the will, the choice to expose ourselves to him and therefore keep in contact with him. That's what abide means. And honestly, that is so hard for me. Um, I think one of the hardest things for me to understand, because if I really look at my heart and am honest with myself, more often than not, I just want to go. I just want to hit the gas. I find myself embracing perfection, control, a, beast, a, what? a busy and distracted life of speed. And though many of the things that make up my life revolve around ministry, it's tempting to only focus on getting the task done, which often leads me to legalism and losing sight of God, and therefore living and acting independently from God. And I feel like I sound like a broken record because ever since I started the apprenticeship, um, the Mary and Martha story has been just a constant uh, lesson and reminder for me. But yeah, it just reminds me of the way that Jesus responded to Martha. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or really only one. 
It seems that abiding in God will require us to slow down enough to be able to switch our focus from everything that's limiting us from having a relationship with God. And so, in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus, what does all of this mean to us? And I think it means freedom. And I don't think I have this verse, but John 1, it reminds me of John 1, verses 12 through 13. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So I think this means uh, freedom and his invitation to abide, to simply be his child, remembering that he died for you and I, and therefore we are free from the pursuit of control, from letting fear, anxiety, suffering, success define us if and when we choose to surrender and remain hopeful in that order. Waiting and abiding, constantly switching our focus to him by being less concerned with doing and more concerned with being a child of God. So that's pretty much all I have for us. So my name's Kevin Pike. I'm an apprentice with Focus over at Colin. And today I'm going to be talking about John 16.33. I'm going to read it in two different versions. So, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I have told you all of this, so that trusting me you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I've conquered the world. And so, a little context for the verse. Um, so this was right before Jesus was arrested. Um, he was talking to his disciples and kind of giving them some wisdom and kind of reassuring them for when he was going to leave um, and be crucified and die. Um, but yeah, and so whenever I read this verse, um, it sheds a lot of light on where my heart is. Um, I tend to um, enlarge and fixate on all the troubles in my life instead of focusing on the reality that Jesus has already conquered everything and that um, we are saved through that. And so it was not until I started the apprenticeship with Focus and actually started reflecting on my life um, that I noticed that there was a lot of anxiety and fear underlining most of my life, um, and I was not truly believing that Jesus had overcome everything. Um, so yeah, this anxiety and fear comes from how others perceive me. Ever since I could remember, I wanted to make sure that people liked me, which led to a lot of stress. Um, this all started when I was really young and on the playground. I was trying to join a bunch of kids, and like they're playing tag, and they just kind of like ignored me and wouldn't let me join in. And so this made me think that there was something wrong with me, that everyone had like an idea of like how to interact with others, and somehow like I was missing that um, aspect of it. Um, but from there, in every group I was a part of, I wanted to make sure. Um, that was always included, that was always liked, um, and I was always just afraid to lose people and stuff. And so I basically become like a chameleon whenever I was around people. I would just kind of like blend into their personalities and their humor just so I like wouldn't um, stick out or whatever. Uh, this led me to be a muted version of myself and not really understand who I was. 
I was afraid to say or do anything um, in fear of being like criticized. Um, I would even be anxious during class, during attendance, to say here, just because I might sound weird or mess up or something. Um, but this continued on throughout middle school and high school. Um, it was not until I, I joined Focus in college, shameless plug, um, that I felt like I could be, um, I could like my identity rest in God and not what other people thought of me. Um, so yeah, fast forward to the present, and I still struggle with anxiety um, of dealing with how others perceive me. When I speak in front of cl- crowds, including right now, I want everyone to like me. And what I'm saying, think I'm smart. I want to say everything right and perfect. Um, and because of all these ideas and expectations floating around, instead of relaying the truth to people, I tend to focus on myself and um, how, like, if I'm being weird. Um, so yeah, this also affects how I minister to students. I want them to think highly of me. I want them to remember me as one of the great wise people in their life journey. Um, and it causes me to avoid conflict a lot of times and causes me to point um, them to me instead of me to, or point them to me instead of me pointing them to Jesus. Yeah, there we go. Um, so yeah, all these anxieties and worries have combined to create this reality where I think everyone is constantly judging me for every word I say, um, every action I do, and I could be like kicked out of any group at any moment. But I've come now, I've also come to realize this is how I viewed my relationship um, with God. I worry about if I'm praying right, if I'm doing the right Christian things, and um, if I mess up, my salvation could be in question. Um, in moments of anxiety, I tend to turn God into a shallow, judgmental person instead of a deep, loving, and caring father figure. Um, but yeah, when I read the words of Jesus in John 16:33, it brings me back to reality. The reality is Jesus has won. Jesus was resurrected and proven to be the Son of God. By worrying and letting these anxieties of the world control me, I'm living in a reality that's contrary to the truth. Then because of this truth, my heart is being reshaped to be a more confident person who does not let the opinions of others affect my identity. I could become free of the worry and focus on caring about what God thinks of me instead of what others think of me. Now, does this mean I will never have like anxiety or fear again? Um, no. He tells us this because we, he, he tells us that we're going to have troubles. Um, he never says life is going to be easy. But we do have a choice of how to act when troubles come. We can either take it like the rest of the world in fear and anguish, or we can remember the truth that Jesus has overcome everything and stand strong, not grumbling, not complaining, but thanking God for the opportunity to grow. In conclusion, the troubles that come up in your life probably look a lot different from mine, which are mainly internal struggles. Um, but whether it is money, money, problems with a friend, world events, climate change, whatever it is, as Easter is coming up, um, it's important to remember that Jesus is still in control. He's conquered everything and that um, we need to trust in him so that we can have peace. Um, here's some practicals that you can write down if you want. Um, but yeah, make a list of the troubles that you are struggling with in your life. Then with each one, find a verse in the Bible that speaks to that situation. I'll say it again. Make a list of the troubles that you are struggling with in your life. Then with each one, find a verse in the Bible that speaks to that situation. And then consider talking to someone you know, or maybe even someone you don't know that well, and have them pray over the things of this world that are having power over you. And then how do you view God? Whenever you go to him, are you filled with peace or with anxiety? That's it. (laughs) 